Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. The Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast rolls along, where I am now joined by Lester Wolfong Jr. of Windy City Gridiron. Lester, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing good, Chase. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Okay, so you got to see uh, Justin Fields. In an actual Barriers uniform, actually playing snaps, even if it is preseason. What uh, what did you make of the Justin Fields debut and getting to watch the most exciting Bears prospect <laughs> quarterback in your lifetime? Yeah, that was that, that was some good stuff. I mean, the, the the first half, just the raw numbers, you're like, oh my god, it, it's not good. But then if you actually watch what he did in that first half, yes, the numbers weren't there. But his decision make was on point. He was making the, uh, a good decision with the ball. He was he was he was going short when he had to go short. He wasn't forcing anything. He had one throw where the guy kind of stepped towards the end. But you know, I mean, if that's the if that's the only nitpick I'm gonna have about him, that's fine. But then he finished the half off strong with a nice drive, and then the second half, you know, we kind of saw the entire package from uh, from Justin Fields. So. In actual detail, what did you see? Because something that I saw, like I watched every throw. The only thing I saw that like people were talking about, and I I tend to agree. And I watched a bunch of Justin Fields in college, and yeah. just what he did there. Um, did, was he holding the ball a little too long for your liking? Because that is something that Justin did a lot in college. You know that that, that was the knock on him. I heard that coming out, and you know I, I think with Justin Fields, he's just he's he's a quarterback. I mean, he it seems like his whole as his career and youth and college, he's been a guy that wants to throw the ball first and run second. So I think he kind of holds on to the ball and he wants to make that last second play. And then with with the Bears, what they did yesterday or on, on on Saturday is they they had a bunch of moving pockets, they had a lot of play action. You know, they moved him and plus on his scrambles, so that kind of helped that uh that 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 time to throw time to be a little higher than than you'd like. But but I mean, you know, he didn't get hit. You know, there were no sacks, so I'm not going to complain. How is my guy Bill Lazor dialing it up for this offense for you? Um, he is no longer the play caller. Uh, uh, the, the, he, he was doing it last year towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy took that back this season. Um, but but as far as what Bill Lazor does, I mean, he, he's always been a big a big guy with the RPOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they brought him in. You know, he has that connection with Andy Dalton of uh, the, the the QB one, Andy Dalton. So, <laughs> so, so 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 we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I, I think with Matt Nagy, he's always been kind of a guy that wants to have a, a big collection of guys in the room that that understand offense. And you know, last year he made a change to not call plays. This year he feels he's going back at it. So that's one thing in Chicago. A lot of people are really criticizing Matt Nagy's play calling. So he has whether it's Dalton or Fields or even Foles for that matter. He now has three guys that he should be comfortable with that understand his offense. So this is really a put up or shut up year for Nagy. He has to show it. He has to prove it. He has to show that he is an NFL play caller this year. Otherwise, you know, this could be it for Nagy. So what is different this year in Chicago? When you look at how last season ended and what you saw from this group last year, um, what outside of we'll get into the coordinator changes in the roles there, but because um, I am curious about this new whiz DC um, yeah. in Chicago, but um, what's different about this year's Bears team? I mean, honestly, everything falls down to the quarterback. I mean, you know, you, you know, Mitch Trubisky, he had his faults. He wasn't 
there were just certain things he couldn't do on, on on the field. I mean, he was really good in 2018 when things were kind of uh, you know fairly basic. But you know, you you have to evolve in the NFL. And and Matt and and with 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 Matt Nagy, he tried doing that with Mitch. Mitch just couldn't do it. He couldn't take the next step as a player. And we saw the offense really have to get dumbed down to have any success. And honestly, you just can't play football like that at, the, at this level. You know, you have to do certain things that 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 you know that you feel you can trust as an offense to to, to score points and to move the ball. And with Mitch, there's a lot of stuff he couldn't do. So this year, honestly, it's all about the quarterback. Like I said, he has Fields, he has Dalton, and to some extent, he has Foles. So as long as the quarterback play is better. As long as the O line is not, you know, crushed by injuries like it was last year, and, and so far in camp, it has been crushed by injuries, you know. But if, if the O line is decent, I think the Bears' offense will look much better than it has in years past. Well, let's talk about that offensive line because you drafted Tevin Jenkins in the second round. Um, you have Jason Peters, which we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> the, the classic, we'll see. Um, what, what do you make of the left tackle spot? Because that's going to be critical. You have him, you have Elijah Wilkinson, you have Jenkins in the mix, I guess, potentially two. What do you make of the left side of that offensive line and protecting, uh, whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields' blind side? It was supposed to be Tevin Jenkins, but he has not mm-hmm. practiced yet. He has back tightness, they're saying, you know, but he's not on the pup list. You know, there is no no talk about a surgery. Um, everything is, you know, just they're going to wait and see to being cautious. So who knows what's going on with that? Uh, this last weekend, it was it was uh, 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 Wilkinson got the start of left tackle, and, and I was not excited to watch him play because I watched his tape in Denver, and he was not very good at, at right tackle. But to be fair, he played pretty good against the Dolphins. It was yes, it was mostly against the backups, but but he looks competent enough to get by. But I think we kind of saw what the Bears think about it because, like you said, they went and got a, a, a guy like Peters, you know, a left tackle. I think he's this will be his 19th year in the league. 39 years old you know if he has anything left in the tank there'll be an upgrade over wilkinson but we have to wait and see what happens there yeah um i'm i'm very curious to see what that looks like because justin field's also playing in at ohio state for for several years playing behind that offensive line and that group and the talent there that certain certainly helped him and we see that with a lot of ohio state quarterbacks when they they graduate out that it's just not the same and uh, you're not the cream of the crop anymore and everyone's on an even keel and we'll see um that being said i'm still excited about a bunch of different playmakers and you all have a very like i think cohen's still on the pup list right now but like khalil herbert someone i watched a bunch in college um you have damian williams who's a cap casualty out of kc you have david montgomery who we all like i mean this is going to be a lot of different mouths to feed but like i love the versatility of what Matt Nagy can throw out um, in the backfield. Uh, are you just as excited? Yeah, I think I think with Matt Nagy, you know, they've always talked about wanting a, a running back by committee, but he's never mm-hmm. done it. He's always kind of had, whether it's Howard or Montgomery, he's always had that one lead guy who gets most of the carries. But I think this year he finally has enough guys that he can trust with Williams, with Herbert, you know, where, and with Cohen at some point he'll be back where – you know, he can kind of mix and match these guys. And then the nice thing about this, this year is a guy like Williams, a guy like Montgomery, you know, they have that the skills out of the backfield to catch the ball where they can also play some wide out. I mean, they're not going to be, you know, always lining up there, but, you know, you can motion those guys out and they, they're competent where they can run routes there. That's what Nagy wanted. That's why Jordan Howard was never a good fit for this offense. 
because he was so one-dimensional. But with Montgomery, with Cohen, with Williams, and then with Herbert to an extent, now you got some options. You have a lot of things you could, you could, you could throw it at a defense to kind of mix things up. Well, we'll talk. Let, let's get into the defense. So you have this this new this new guy, Sean Desai. Um, Chuck Pagano was obviously there beforehand. Um, there was actually a really good piece. I think it was a fan post on Wendy City Gridiron from a couple days ago um, about the difference between uh, Vic Fangio and uh, Pagano. And one of the things that Pagano did that led to kind of the slow demise a little bit uh, was Eddie Jackson, the way he yeah. used him. And it seems like Desai is going to get back to using him farther back off the line. Yep. Um, stuff like that. It's the little things that we don't see um, week in, week out, that it seems like he is going to he's going to alleviate a lot of those concerns. Um, are you excited about what you've seen thus far, and why is it a it, why is this guy seen as such a rising star uh, as a DC? You know, I think it's all the Vic Fangio scheme. I mean, that's a really hot scheme right now in, in the NFL. You saw uh, uh, Brandon Staley with the Rams, and you know he is now the head coach of the Chargers. You know, Vic obviously has been doing it for years, and then Sean DeSai is another one of those guys that. You know, they really take to that system. And, and, and what the system is, it's, it's, it's a lot of too high coverage. It, it gives you the same look, you know, but there are so many variations off it where they'll, they'll do stuff with disguising it. And like you said, Eddie Jackson will be a little further back. Um, like in Chuck Pagano, he was playing a little more man than usual. Uh, he was up close. He wasn't really the eighth guy in the box, so to speak. Um, but he was kind of coming up and he was doing more coverage uh, one-on-one against tight ends and slot guys. But now, you know, they're going to have, you know, both those guys back deep. Uh, They'll kind of let those guys use their instincts more. And with a guy like Eddie Jackson, you know, that's what he's great at. I mean, he's really good at diagnosing the play. You know, I'd rather have him, you know, back there making plays in the ball than having to cover one guy where, as an offense, you know, you can take him out of the game by just not throwing to him. Hmm. Who are you most excited about? on this defense not named Cleo Mack? Not named Cleo Mack. Uh, let's go Bilal Nichols. Okay. Um, I just think with a guy like Nichols, you know, this is going to be his free agent year. Um, he Last year he was forced to play the nose because of uh, the opt-out from Eddie Goldman, um, and that's not his position. I mean, he, he did okay at it. I think he had a, 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 a career best uh, five and a half sacks last year from the nose most of the time. You know, but but with Goldman back at the nose, with Hicks at one defensive end, Nichols at the other, I think Bilal Nichols is in for a big year. And at some point, I would expect him to get extended because, you know, he, like I said, this is his contract year. The Bears love what he can do, and I think he's going to get paid. Interesting. Um, how big of a year do you think Allen Robinson has? I mean, this guy is, is pretty much a lock for, for at least 100 catches, I would imagine. So. Mm. You know, he has never played with a quarterback the caliber of Andy Dalton. You know, n- you know, not you know, not to mention Justin Fields. You know, Andy Dalton—that's the watermark. That's the high watermark for a guy like him. You know, he's had Mitch, he's had uh, uh, Blake Bortles uh, going back to Penn State. He had Christian Hackenberg. So, Allen Robinson has a good quarterback in Dalton, and at some point, it'll it'll be Justin Fields. I'm expecting a huge year from him. And, and I think if him and, and Fields can have, have a connection, that may help entice Robinson to want to stick around because the Bears can't let this guy leave him. Mean, he is just such a good pro. He is he is such a, you know, everything he does on the field and off the field, this is the type of guy that an organization wants, should want to stay always with them until he retires. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we're going to pause real quick for a message from our sponsors, but we'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still joined by Lester Wilfong of Windy City Gridiron, a very great Chicago Bears blog that you should go check out and read if you have not already. Um, why did the Anthony Miller trade if you're Chicago? I think he was on the block the whole offseason. It just, for whatever reason, it was he was a, a, a pick in the second round. He had a promising rookie year, and then it just kind of fell apart for him. You know, he, he is not the most disciplined route runner, and Matt Nagy's offense is predicated on precise route running. That You know, you need to be in the right spot at the right time uh, for the quarterback. Everyone has to be on the same page. And Anthony Miller wouldn't always get to the spot on the right time. So he was a good freelancer. He was great against man coverage, you know, but it just wasn't a good fit. And I think that it was the best for all parties involved to move him on. Um, I was a little surprised the Bears, you know, did get a pick for him. And then now, you know, he's hurt in, in Houston. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, because he was like one of those dudes who just um, – I have PTSD from Anthony Miller because of what the Bears yeah. did in Atlanta um, last fall yes, when they inserts. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a nightmare. That was uh, that was the nail in the coffin for my for my Atlanta Falcons sanity uh, last fall. So um, you know, like like for that play, that's a good example because you know that wasn't really that was more of a of a of a, of a playground play by Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles told him just run to the out in the end zone and he'll mm-hmm. get him the ball because he knew that Anthony Miller would beat man coverage. He would be be in that spot, but it wasn't really. You know, like I said, it's not the precise route running you expect. It was just like, hey, go make a play and then and the ball's coming. Yeah, I didn't like it, Lester. I <laughs> I loved it. It was great. <laughs> it was awful. Like, I remember I was with some buddies watching that one. I mean, it wasn't Cowboys Falcons for me. I mean, Cowboys Falcons, like I fell over at uh, the place I was watching. Like, it was one of those where, I mean, it, you'll never be able to replicate not knowing what to do with the football on an onside kick ever again and just the way that game unfolded but chicago was almost as bad with the second half because they, when they pulled trubisky i was like oh no this is it this yeah. is it this is not good they, they did not plan for nick Foles. this is this game <laughs> is over nick Foles is going to come in and just be throwing it all over the place this and we're going to play uh, I, I can't revisit this I, my, my mental state cannot handle it um when you look at this schedule for chicago are there any landmines is it Pot, do you see a scenario or a lot of scenarios where this can be a above 500 team that can challenge for a playoff spot? Because I just don't think, especially if the rookie quarterback, they're going to challenge for Green Bay um, for the NFC North. But if things play the right way and, you know, um, I, I think challenging the Vikings is a lot more feasible than maybe some people are are letting on right now especially if Kirk Cousins is still isolating behind his own little plexiglass bubble so I mean the possibilities are endless yeah I think there's a good chance for the Bears to make the playoffs I mean this team made the playoffs two of the last three years uh, they made it last year at eight and eight so I think if they're hovering around a, a 500 record they'll be in the mix all year plus the NFC doesn't have you know, those really powerhouse teams so if the Bears can go nine and eight this season I think they're in the playoffs um, again, a lot of that's going to come down to the play at the quarterback. You know, if Fields gives them, you know, uh, what they want him to give him, I think they're going to be in there. If they stick with Dalton a little longer and Dalton struggles, you know, who knows? But I mean, at this point, you know, it, it all comes down to the quarterback play because, like I said, you know, Mr. Trubisky the last two years not the best, but the the, the Bears still went eight and eight both seasons. So, you know, better QB play should be about the same record at least. 
Interesting. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Do they have to make the playoffs to save Ryan Pace and um, Matt Nagy's job? Or if they finish strong, they struggle a little bit early on acclimating fields and he goes to the rookie wall, that sort of thing, but they end strong. Let's say they end like nine and eight. Is that enough to uh, keep their jobs heading into next year? I think both guys are pretty safe because they went out and they let them trade up and get Justin Fields. I think that, you know, if they're going to get fired, they should have got fired last year. And the Bears management, you know, really hand and hawed over this, whether to do it or not. You know, there was some press conferences called, you know, the poll process took a few days before they actually finally let those guys speak. And they made the announcement that they're going to bring both guys back. I think letting them get Justin Fields, I think that buys them time. I think unless this season is an absolute disaster, both guys are back regardless. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Lester, what can we check out from you across Wendy City Gridiron this week? Uh, I, I'm actually going to be at Bears Camp tomorrow, so I'll be live tweeting some stuff uh, f- from camp. Um, you know, c- camp coverage all the time. We have a podcast channel. Uh, check us out there as well. You can find me on Twitter at WilchongJR. All right. Well, go do all that. Keep up the great work, my friend. And uh, don't be a stranger. Let's not make it like three years in between our conversations. I know. Sounds good, Chase. Take it easy. All right. Hello. And welcome back to a Monday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald. Mark, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good, Chase. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, are you all caught up on the Boston Celtics offseason? Uh, are, are you feeling good about where, where you're at with this team? Um, yeah, compared to maybe three days before they signed Schroeder. Mm. Or, that, or that became a deal, sure. But Leading up to that point, they had obviously taken a step back in free agency. You know, their plan was, and it certainly worked, to get somebody who was maybe desperate to just do a short-term deal. You know, so they got a quality guy for that. Well, we'll get to Schroeder in a second, because I do want to pick your brain about Schroeder and Horford's return. Um, when you uh-huh. When you have to think about what Boston has done thus far. This is about, we, we have a good idea of what this team's going to look like, I think, um, with their eight or nine man mm-hmm. rotation next year now. Um, right. What kind of off-season grade would you give Brad Stevens uh, for what he has done his first summer as the president of basketball ops? Uh, well, when you consider he was able to unload Kemba's contract, I'll give him a B. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was that was the toughest initial task he faced, and he actually did it pretty quickly. I mean, I think Horford is value on this team. So, um, yeah, no, not as bad as it seemed about two weeks ago. What are what, – what do you – as someone who's covered Brad Stevens for several years – um, mm-hmm. do you think he, he's going to be a natural fit? This is going to be a natural 
transition for someone who's just been a coach for so long to be able to pull out and let Emeyudoka do his thing? Do you think this is a partnership that should prove to be quite fruitful down the line, or are you more uh, are you more suspicious? Are you more um, ra- do you have a more of a raised eyebrow about how this will work long term? No, I don't. I think Brad. I take him at his word that he is very much looking forward to uh, getting into his office and leaving the door open. And if inmate wants to come to him, he'll he'll approach him. That's his initial anyway. I mean, he's there's going to be a lot he's going to have to do with inmate. Inmate is a first time coach, but head coach, I should say. But um, no, I think Brad's kind of anxious to move in to the front office. Does so we we know about the Celtics assistant GM and with Brad replacing Danny Ainge. Um, how much is Zarin going to be involved with Brad Stevens? Is it going to be is is this alignment going to be the same as what Ainge had with him, or is this going to be a different situation altogether? I think that could be slightly different. Um, Austin Ainge is now director of player personnel. Um, you know, he'll be the personnel side. Zarin will be what he's always been, the analytics slash team counsel. Um, you know, he advises them on all their legal stuff. So, but, you know, analytically, otherwise, no, it's going to, it's going to be different. It's definitely going to be different. Do you think it's going to be awkward, Austin Ainge, staying uh, on? Uh, no. Okay. No, I don't think so. Um, no. No, I don't. It's it's how is how is Brad going to delegate? Mm-hmm. You know? it's, he is a guy who does that. I mean, he was pretty good at giving his assistants responsibilities. I just don't know to what degree it's uh you know we haven't even talked to him since Ime was introduced so he's been very quiet so far in that introduction press conference for Ime what do you what what was the biggest thing you pulled from from his vision for this team um that the guys want to get their butts kicked that's Mm. what it sounds like at least that's what he's that's what he has said he said these guys went to him. I mean, last week at Summer League, he added that Smart wants the ball in his hands more, and they're going to do that, which tells me that they're trying to turn Marcus Smart into a pass for his point guard. So, and he wants that responsibility because, you know, this team just iced itself to death last year. Well, it's interesting you bring up smart and that idea of putting him more back on ball and being more of a, a distributor because the reports were that Stevens had grown tired of smart freelancing and what he brings to the table offensively. And there was rumblings that he might get moved this offseason, especially ahead of the draft. Do you figure that he is now, because he is still a member of this team, part of this group for like I mean, just for the next several months, or do you still think there's a possibility that if the right deal comes along, he he's moved sooner rather than later? 
Oh, if it's the right deal, for sure. I mean, there's only two guys in that team who don't go in the right deal. Um, you know, and I think Jalen has gained a little stature that way, you know, in terms of being an off-limits piece. But the whole thing with Smart is I reported two weeks ago that the Celtics were willing to extend him and for roughly $17 million a year, a four-year extension. He naturally has been asking for the max. So it's in there as opposed to now we don't, we, we don't, you know, we'll let them walk into free agency next year. Now they, they want to, they want to sign them. There may be a trade down the line for that, but they want to sign them. Interesting. Um, what do you expect out of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum next year? Um, I think the interesting thing last year, I thought at a certain point Jalen was the, the more improved player. He was playing so well. And he he's just a guy who it's remarkable when you go back to his rookie year when by all accounts, he didn't have a jump shot. And you look at him now, I mean, he has worked so hard on all parts of this game. I think the next part is the defense, you know, his defense and playmaking. But I, you have to think he's going to uh, progress even more. And the same, you know, Tatum, you know, God knows what this Olympics experience is going to do for him. But I think, you know, it's, it helps to really raise his standard and see how great he can be to just associate with that group. So I, I think he's taking a step forward too, but they have to move the ball. They, you know, it's the the biggest initial challenge for Tatum and they're going to try and do this. His recognition out of a double team has to get better. I mean, he get, you've seen it. he, gets bottled up occasionally and then you end up with a fadeaway 20 footer, you know, so that's, I think that's where he has to improve, but I think he will take that step. Interesting. So when you look at the shooter edition, Marcus smart, potentially playing more on ball, um, Peyton Pritchard kind of being their, their own little mini Fred Van Fleet. Um, do you think there's enough <laughs> ball movers on this team to take a lot of the offensive pressure off Tatum and Brown. Because when I look at this group now, um, even because Kimba was, was hurt and struggling last year, he was very high and cold and we'll see what happens there. But like, I am, I'm pretty confident that this is going to be an extremely elite defensive team. That's something that just seems like with Richardson also coming to the full of Horford coming back that like, I don't see a path for this team not to be elite on the defensive side of the ball. But Offensively, I just I don't think Schroeder is going to solve a lot of these these issues, and I think it is going to be interesting to see how they close and what their closing unit is going to end up being. But like, do you think this group will be able to score efficiently enough to get them back into that top four or five spot in the East? Because I'm not sure. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think they've developed some bad habits along the way. They really showed through last year. I mean, you know, Stevens lost the locker room. These guys stopped listening. That's why you hear Stevens talking about Udoka's voice now. You know, so 
how much does he get these guys to buy in? Um, I think in terms of the offense, uh, the last time they had a good flowing offense was when Al Horford was there. And I think that's something you have to pay attention to. He's a just a great distributor, um, stretch four. That's the position he wants to play. And I think that's what they want to give him. And the last time they were a really good defensive team, he was also there. So, yeah, I think, to your point, I think it's going to be a huge defensive upgrade. It'll be much better. Hmm. Um, what, what would you guess right now their closing five will be on opening night? Oh, that's, uh, well, the Jays. Mm-hmm. Smart. Mm-hmm. He will be in the closing five. Some people don't like that. Um, Rob Williams. Okay, not know, Horford. But, it, but it'll, be, it'll be situational. Mm. Yeah, Horford will definitely be situational. There's, there's gonna, But Horford's going to be out at the four, I think. So they're going to try Horford and Williams for significant stretches yeah. this season. Yeah, they will. Yeah. It's, mm. uh, they've worked together before. Um, you know, Horford was... Rob's first mentor in the league. You know, he's the one who taught him his first stuff. So that'll be interesting to see how they get back together there. I, I just I just think that Horford is just so valuable for all kinds of reasons. And he barely played last year, so his legs are fresh. Hmm. So is Schroeder, do you suspect, in the closing lineup? Or is oh, it Schroeder's smart? The, Schroeder, Schroeder's off the bench. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Uh, when the when the team talked to him, they brought that up. That you know, Marcus Smart is our point guard. Really? That's yeah. I am excited it's, now. Look, I am. Look at, uh, look at look at it. Look at it this way. Uh, not you know, last year with the Lakers was was obviously not good for him. But the year before that, he was in the sixth man of the year conversation. Because he came off the bench for OKC and had the best season of his career. So he's comfortable with it, even after starting in L.A. this past I, year? Yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, these guys these guys are in take of the leave it mode because they're not, they're not trying to win it next year. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, if he, if he didn't, they'd go on to the next guy who overbet on himself mm. you know okay so that's yeah yeah they, going forward it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with uh smart's contract it i'm interested in his trade value like i just i'm very curious to, we just saw what eric bledsoe got on the market um oh. i'm curious yeah. what marcus smart brings in if they were to move him i'm, I'm very curious which contender is willing to sacrifice a significant he, asset. He's more valuable to a contender. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's, you know, that's why they have to hold on to him, really. You know, if they're ever going to get there, they have that piece. I mean, otherwise, 
by the time they get there, they're going to have to find somebody exactly like them. He's, well, maybe that's uh, uh, Peyton Pritchard. Maybe that's uh, Aaron Naismith. <laughs> uh, I think Aaron Naismith's going to be a really nice sh- shooter. Uh, you know, Pritchard, Pritchard uh, I know it's just summer league, but Pritchard has had a great summer league. Yeah. So, you know, he just looks bigger, uh, you know, stronger. That's that's the whole thing with him. Can he can he guard people, you know? But he's he's bigger and he certainly played under control and scored. You know, both of them scored. Neesmith had a thirty three point game. Hmm. Last thing and we'll wrap up here, Mark. Um who do I talk to to get the Boston Celtics to stop wearing all of their worst uniforms more often than not? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I watch a lot of Celtics games and I am growing more and more frustrated. There was a Lakers Celtics game last year where both both yeah. squads were wearing these atrocious, atrocious. You wouldn't even know you were watching Lakers Celtics. And I need it to stop. Mark, I, I can't do it anymore. They wear the well, black you, uniforms gotta, all the time. You've got to, you've got to attack it at the corporate level, Nike. I was just hoping you could like put in a good word with Brad and or Wick. <laughs> Maybe I can get on the phone with Wick and we can go back and forth. Uh, uh, yeah, Wick. Uh, you know, it, it's. I don't know. It, it's uh, unfortunately all this. Aren't all these changing uniforms dictated by the league office? I just want to find out who it is. Who's responsible? Let me sit them down. I think it's I, I think it's the league, but the, but I I agree with it. It's like what's a road uniform anymore? Yeah. I mean, I don't it's, even care uh, if they're good, but like these are terrible. And it's just if I don't even recognize who you are anymore, like if I don't recognize the Boston Celtics are playing the Los Angeles Lakers, two of the most yeah. iconic NBA franchises of all time. If you're a casual fan yeah. and you're scrolling, you have no idea what you just scrolled past. I don't understand uh, it. Yeah. Uh, one they just unveiled. I didn't get a good look at it, but it's a new t-shirt model from 1946. It's supposed to be vintage original Celtics. I don't know how long, you know, the team that Chuck Connors played on. I'm I'm not sure how that's going to go over. But, you know, there's a lot of people who want to spend money in memorabilia. Yeah, just spend it on the right ones. Folks, do not buy the black jerseys. <laughs> do not buy the Lakers all white. Don't do any of this nonsense. Right, right, the, the purple. Right. Well, they, well, actually... I, the one that killed me last year, they came out, it was a green and black uniform, mm. but it was the green of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. It was Milwaukee Bucks green on a Celtics uniform. That's, that shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, well, at least we're in agreement there. I, I'm excited. So I, I know Adam Silver is a lifelong uh, fan of this very podcast, so I'm sure I'll get a call. Oh after after we jump off here uh to address the situation because i'm here to remedy this as an nba super fan i'm here to to remedy the situation league office i know you're listening so let me let me help you this will the it will be great i promise i promise i have a, I have a good sense 
for what basketball Twitter wants. Mark, what can we check out from you across the Boston Herald this week? Um, well, we've got uh, they're going for the championship game in the summer league. You know, that's like it's a big uh, deal. The game that gets everybody excited until the guys they loved are rendered human in November. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's, uh, you know, Peyton Pritchard uh, left the team, uh, went, played in a pro-am, scored, what was it, 90 points. Uh, the next day in the pro-am scored 54, and now he's flown back to Vegas to play tomorrow night. So there, there's your... Elvis entrance. There you go. Um, I like it. I like it. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, read your work in the Boston Herald. Go subscribe if you have not already to the Herald. Um, Mark, we'll have to check back in again soon. Okay. Very good. Take care. Hello, and welcome back to the Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. It is Monday night, so that means 49ers Hub and Twitter bad boy Evan Swords is here. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? Hello! <laughs> Hi. How are we? I, I'm, I'm good, man. I got my tea in. I uh, was watching a little bit of Bachelor in Paradise with the girlfriend before we get started here. Um, don't understand that show at all. Not uh, not following how it works because there's a bunch of women and men, and they have to like pair off. I w- she was explaining the rules to me, but I didn't I didn't understand that one because I just wrapped my head around F Boy Island over the weekend, and that is my jam. All in on F Boy Island. I don't know if you guys have uh, watched any of that on HBO Max, but it is a absolute delight. I cannot believe this is happening to me. I'm just gradually turning more into a reality television person yeah. i think this can, is what happens can we talk real quick about i know everybody's been saying this forever but i just finally started watching ted lasso okay and oh my god it is the the most heartwarming positive happy show i've ever like it just like it, it's like chicken soup for my heart it's mm. amazing have you guys watched it i have not and also Lindsay. okay is here Lindsay. hello oh hi Hi guys! <laughs> shout, shout out to Lindsay. Okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> Lindsay, how how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, so everybody on Twitter has been talking about how amazing Ted Ted Lasso is for probably you know whatever months. Um, and I finally was like, you know, I just moved into my apartment, just got everything settled, you know, got the TV mounted, which I hadn't like I hadn't turned my TV on since November of last year. Uh, so I was like. I want to. I want to finally check this out, and it is unbelievable. You have to watch it, especially if you're watching that garbage reality TV chase, which is just. Oh, I got. I've got so many thoughts on that. Uh, just watch Ted Lasso. I can turn my brain off. It's amazing. Like I have to spend Evan like just an inordinate amount of time reading all this stuff, and like I get to turn turn my brain off like it, it's just the perfect thing for me to just be like it's, it's I, I just am amazed that these are like the same pe- like the we're humans like we're the same species where i listen to it <laughs> and i'm just i'm amazed and i'll look at her and i'm like i don't i don't understand like this is incredible to me do they know that they're on 
television like they recorded these videos that were like because it's basically you either came in as an f boy or you came in as a nice guy and the videos they recorded if they wanted to say they're an f are unbelievable my mom would never talk to me again like this is insane where i'm like they what are you doing this is going on to the world forever it's it is baffling it is baffling but so I, that show mm. is is on our list, and I it, I think I have to I have to dive in now. That sounds amazing, <laughs> Lindsay. You I think would like it. I, I think you'd be in on it, and we can talk about it on a future pod because this could be like a whole okay. like, Patreon podcast about this. Because okay. I have some takes on this, and I have some questions that I I don't even know if I can put out into the atmosphere. Like, I'm a little concerned about how those takes would be received, because I'm like, I'm not really sure if I can say because I, I can just ask those questions out loud, so we'll we'll see, but um, it, is a, it is a wild, wild ride that I'm here for. And it's also just weird, because we'll go back and forth with, like, Banshee, which is just fucking awesome, an HBO show from like 10 years ago, but I never got into it. I, I don't know, I, more or less. Um, the one thing I will say about Ted Lasso, though, Evan, so did you see that uh, writer who wrote a piece um, dismissing it and just saying they did not like it at all and it's actually really bad? No, dear God, no. <laughs> see, your reaction, visceral reaction. People had this and just were going in and quote tweeting and losing their shit. Like, so Ted Lasso fans for me, I'm out on Ted Lasso fans. Like I have not watched it and I don't want to watch it because no, no, you you can't, you can't, you can't, I'm like, like wholeheartedly, you can't even, I won't even let you finish that sentence. You, you have to watch it and you'll understand why Jason Sudeikis has literally created the most likable character ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that sincerely. I have never rooted for something like, Imagine, like, I mean, the whole premise is the guy's a, a like a Division two football coach, and they like hire him to coach the soccer, uh, like an actual soccer club out in England, uh, because the the ex wife of the the owner of the team hates the team and wants the team to fail, so she hires some fucking idiot, and the every he goes, everyone hates him, mm. everyone's like, you fucking wanker, like, how dare you. And literally one by one, he wins over every single person because he's the nicest human being on earth. And it's just charming and it's great. And it is so much better for you to watch than reality TV. I'm I'm amazed. Like, listen to my voice. I don't even know if I talked this this excited about, like, the 49ers. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying, actually. This you pep in your step. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it, to be completely Just honest. make some nice tea. Make, your ha- make some happy tea. Mm. And, and As opposed to my unhappy tea, though. I don't tea, like though. nice shows. Ooh. I don't like nice shows. I don't like nice people, so I don't know. What, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? You don't like nice people. What does that mean, Lindsay? I mean, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory, you know? I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not like a feel-good show kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, just try it, and I bet you, I'll bet you, I'll bet you a case of White Claw that you're gonna love it. Okay. I don't know if she's gonna be I'll honest about I mean, it. I don't have time to watch TV, so I don't know. I mean, I, I technically shouldn't either, but I, I did. It was, it was great. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, this naturally leads us, guys, to Dak Prescott's shoulder which is a big topic of, of conversation right now. Uh, Lindsay, how concerned do you think Cowboys fans should be with what's going on with their QB1? 
So I wasn't concerned at first, but then like as report after report started to come out when they were like, okay, he's having an MRI now. I'm like, a mm, little bit worried. Um, and now I guess they say that they're like easing him into practice, but then um, they said later or later on today that they weren't sure yet. And like, now they're talking about his availability for week one. Like I would be worried. I'm definitely worried and I'm not a Cowboys fan. Um, it also like the hard knocks thing kind of weirds me out. Cause I feel like, I feel like the storylines are different because they just want to tease the episode. Does anybody else get that vibe? Yeah. I totally am that like was feeling that way. That was literally what I was going to say. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I I've literally had like a, a roller coaster. Like in the beginning, I was like, when they tweeted that, I was like, oh, well, that's clearly a red flag. Like, this is a huge problem. And then I realized that they're on hard knocks. And I was like, no, this is just the hard. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the first episode, but it was like the most boring episode of hard knocks I think I've yeah. ever watched. And so it's like naturally, like, we got to stir up some controversy. And you know, Jerry Jones is like, is Dak okay? He is? Fuck it. Say he's not. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, I I mean, I am on the fence of being worried or not. Um, it switches by the hour, probably. Not that I'm thinking about Dak Prescott every hour, but you know what I mean. Um, but, I mean, as, like I said, after, report after report comes out, I'm getting a little bit more worried about if he's going to be able to play week one. But then again, it could just be them trying to stir something up. Absolutely. I just, if they're trying to stir something up, it's just weird that you wouldn't, like, they're running out of time for him to play in the preseason. Like, we're running out of time before he's just, like, thrown to the wolves week one, and I, I don't know. I think, if I had to bet, I think this is worse than they're letting on. I think two things could be true. They're stirring the pot because they don't know how not to stir the pot, and Dak actually does have some, some stuff wrong. Like, the fact that they said there's no urgency from my perspective to see Dak play against Houston mccarthy like i just i don't know like this shoulder is not at full strength i think that is something that is unavoidable to me like you would not bring in these different people you would not do this mri if dak was not having some sort of problems like there's just no way around him not having something wrong with that shoulder yeah and that kind of stuff can linger too Mm -hmm. that's why when they brought in they brought in those baseball people Mm -hmm. that was um kind of the the biggest red flag for me so i mean and and it's like the way it happened it was just like oh like my shoulder feels kind of sore first what was it like the first first or second practice of the end of the training camp and your shoulder's already sore um and then they like immediately whisked him away to check it out i mean of course they would but it's just like i i mean i know nfl teams and how they run and um I don't know the Cowboys personally and how they run or Mike McCarthy at all, but I mean, teams definitely try to play down injuries as much as they can just so people don't panic. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would just say he's had a lot of time to recover. They've expected to, to kind of bring him in slowly. I'm really not worried about it until week one comes in. You know, like if, if week one, like the, you know, the, the week coming up to the game, they're like maybe not, not practicing or something like that. Maybe I'll be worried. But like, as of right now, I think the most logical choice is just to absolutely not take any credit for, or, you know, credibility from it and just uh, imagine that he will be playing. I think he's going to play, but I think it's going to be a very vanilla look for him. And I don't think they're going to ask a lot out of him. And I just think Cowboys fans are going to be holding their breath because he's going to get hit. 
Like, I still have questions with some of their offensive line help. I mean, Zeke looks like he's in great shape. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I think it's a concern. And I think when your shoulders are a concern for a quarterback, like, there's just no way for this dude who moves around so much and relies on his athleticism as much as Dak that, like, I don't know. I just think it's going to play a role in how their season goes, and they need him 100%. Um, sticking in the NFC, NFC East, Alex Smith is the new ESPN NFL analyst. Evan, how do you think Alex will do in this new role? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to absolutely kill it. Alex Smith is one of the most likable people in the NFL of the last, you know, however many years. And he's just, he's a genuinely good person who's, you know, he's very well spoken. Uh, he is a, 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 you know, a student of the game and in the same uh, in the same way that, like, you'll probably see, you know, him knowing what's going on very well, uh, the way Tony Romo has, uh, and, you know, and other former players. I just think it's perfect for him. He's got a lot of charisma. Uh, he's a nice guy. You know, he's an excitable person. Like, it, there, I, I see no way this goes wrong, and I'm very excited to hear him, hear him do it. Lindsay, what do you think? I agree with Evan. I like Alex Smith a lot. Um, I... The one thing I hope doesn't happen is I hope I hope it's not like to the point where they're mentioning his injury every five seconds, like every time an injury happens. Well, how do you compare this one with yours? You know, like, <laughs> I, I just hope that doesn't happen. I don't want to hear about that anymore. I feel like he's worth so much more than just that one injury. Yeah, 100 percent. Can't use it. For, but, I don't, you know, I hope they don't do that. It would be a very cheap thing to do. And it would also just be weird. Like, hey, remember that time you almost died and had 700 surgeries? What, yeah. what do you think this high ankle sprain is like compared to that? <laughs> that would be awful. That would that would not be good. No, but I'm thinking about a spinoff show from my uh, riding of my bike injury that got me on the news when I was in first grade. If everyone just relayed anything back to me on this podcast or anything I'm like how does it relate to you when you rode your bike through your neighbor's garage door how does this compare uh, <laughs> i don't know i think that'd be that'd be interesting because that uh people forget that i was on the news for riding my bike through my neighbor's garage door and my girlfriend still thinks it's one of the funniest things of all time to see uh to see my the b-roll of me like back on the bike riding around my cul-de-sac like yeah back of my mongoose fear won't fear won't take me down Garage door, no, no garage door. I'm back on the bike. I'm back on my mongoose. Um, speaking of chasing your dreams, chasing your dreams in the NFL, Tim Tebow, uh, he had his debut over the weekend for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Lindsay, I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I don't think Tim Tebow is going to be the long-term answer at the tight end position for Jacksonville. What do you think? I have to agree. <laughs> I mean, we all saw that clip. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was god-awful. It's not even one clip. Like, Chris Towers did multiple ones. Like, every run blocking, they're all bad. They were all bad. And I was like, oh. Oh, no. This is worse than I thought. Like, really, like, tight ends what you picked, and this is how you show up? I don't know. I just, I mean... It's funny because I got slammed for tweeting something about how he, like, woke up and decided to play tight end one day, and look what happened. That's literally what he looks like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I – <laughs> here's the thing. Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble, 
naturally hilarious. Genuinely one of the funniest things. Just so funny. So great. I mean, he ran into the guy's butt. Perfect. Can't get any better than that most of the time. Tim Tebow's thing, like spinning like a ballerina (laughs) around the the defender and then fuck eyes closed, head down, headbutting his own teammate, like trying to like run into him like a rhinoceros or something like was just significant. It was just funnier. It was in a, in a, in a just world, it would be funnier. But I, I think the world is just so done with like, it's just overloaded with, too much going on nowadays just from the trump era to to the just like shock of all the news and everything going on i I just don't think we can really appreciate how absolutely hilarious it was to watch tim tebow (laughs) eyes closed ballerina around someone and then spear a grown man on his own team's stomach fucking hilarious evan true or false you think you could be a better nfl tight end right now than tim tebow Absolutely not. He's got like a hundred pounds on me on that alone would just allow him to exist, uh, you know, with those big giant men, maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Plus I, I am a wimp. I can't take a hit for the life of me and I would never want to. Oh, interesting. So if a fight breaks out, you're not engaging. I've, uh, I've, ne- I've been in one fight in my entire life and mm-hmm. I was, didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. So what is the point of you getting getting jacked, Evan? What is the point of this this figure that you're cultivating? Uh, crippling insecurity. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Never feeling like you're good enough and constantly trying to make yourself the best version of yourself so that maybe one day you'll feel something. <laughs> I is what I what I'm guessing. I don't personally know. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> That's oh, that was amazing. All right, there we go. I don't even know how to trans. I'm. I like to believe that I can transition out of anything, but this is going to be tough for me. Um, you know who else has crippling insecurity? The New York. Ch- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Daniel Jones has to have it at this point, right? Like the way he got roasted for just the the pass right over the middle to a Giants linebacker, where you're like, oh, this. I think it was Stephen Ruiz who quote tweeted like mock it like what did he say it was really funny he quote tweeted it and i forgot what he said now but it was really funny um just daniel jones not looking great and i'm feeling pretty great about my giants are not gonna not gonna be good this year take i'm feeling pretty good and then jason garrett's like you can call me coach yeah i'm out they're all out like the the, the giants i'm out all the way you know, I, I, I shout out to Steph, Steffi Smalls, mm-hmm. you know, friend, friend of the pod. She's mm-hmm. great. But like everyone in their heart and in their soul knows mm-hmm. that Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. And I think it's just it's sad. But we knew when he got drafted at six overall or whatever it was, it was a mistake. And he's had some good moments and, you know, he's got some fun weapons. But like. You know, if your life was on on the line, right? Like, is anyone betting on Daniel Jones? I think a lot of people are. I mean, if her life was on the line, (laughs) that's a big ask. Yikes. Yikes. Um, The best preseason debut for you, Lindsay, who was it? (laughs) 
like rookie quarterback or or just rookie as a whole like who you saw over the okay. last few days that uh, you were most impressed with justin fields mm. love him how come what'd you see what do you like about his debut over the weekend i just i mean he looks like he's been playing the game for years Mm-hmm. And going like beyond the on the field stuff, like his presser, like I think it was the probably about the week before that, like he was talking about um, just like the things he's learned and like how he translates looking at the play to seeing it on the field in front of him. Just like the way that he spoke and the, the way he spoke to the media, that's hard for a lot of players to do, even veterans. Like he seems like he's been in the NFL for five years at least. And like it's that's really hard to do as a rookie. So um, I really liked what I saw from him. I cannot believe the Bears are still trying to make Andy Dalton happen. I feel like I mean I feel like there's going to be a riot in Chicago <laughs> if they if they roll him out there at Week One. Um, I don't see the point in doing that. I feel like if Justin Fields struggled, then maybe I can see it. But at this point, like like I said, he's he looks like he belongs there. So I I loved him. Yeah, I mean, to no surprise, guys, I'm going to reference the San Francisco 49ers here. Mm. Um, But if you think about the way that him and Trey Lance were spoken about throughout the draft process, right, it was all pretty much exactly what we saw week week one of preseason. Um, You know, Trey, incredibly talented, high ceiling, super athletic. Not ready yet. Like, you know, has a lot to mm-hmm. learn. It's going to take a little bit of time. Everything about Justin Fields, pro ready, super, you know, incredibly intelligent, poised. Like exactly what Lindsay just said, Justin Fields never was afraid of the situation. The stage was never too big. Uh, obviously, it's a small sample size. It's only one week one of preseason. But when you look at Trey Lance, who I, as a fan, I love what I saw. Like when I saw, you know, obviously the ADR touchdown was enough, right? He could have only done that, sat back down, and I'd be like, hell yeah, let's go, Lance. Um, but if you would have watched Trey Lance play, there were a lot of times where he took sacks that he probably didn't need to take. There were some times where he threw balls that were very close to being intercepted, really just weren't good decisions. You could just tell that he's – an extremely talented person and he's got a little bit to go. Could he be ready week one? Maybe Shanahan's a pretty easy guy to, to play quarterback for. But when you looked at Justin Fields, you know, you got to feel good as a, as a, an evaluator of talent talking about Justin Fields, the, you know, draft process. Cause everything that we've heard about him was true uh, in that game. He's going to be an absolute star in the league. And God bless you, Andy Dalton. You know, you, you had a bad run. QB1. In, uh, in the Bengals. Uh, and, you you know, it seems like he was trying to, like. He didn't even have a bad run. He but should I, have been in the Super Bowl. What was it, right, eight years ago now? He, he, he had, a, like, a really, you know, big downturn at the end. Yeah. I think he was really trying to call himself back and get himself a starting position. And then they drafted Justin Fields. And mm. you're just not winning that battle. No, but I do think it's interesting that y'all are highlighting field with Lance because I think Mac Jones had like the highest PFF grade of the four rookie quarterbacks over the weekend. And I, the most I saw, the, or the best I saw was Did Zach Wilson. Did you watch the game? No, I just watched every snap from them. Every drop back, I should say. Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones's game was incredibly basic and incredibly simple. A bunch of checkdowns. Well, yeah, like he, Zach Wilson was doing the San Francisco 49ers thing too. He only had like one ball go over 10 yards. 
and through the air for 10 yards and it was just like one of those and the reason i like that is because it looks like they're going to do the exact opposite of what they did to sam darnold like i think zach wilson's actually going to get cared for and i think he's actually going to get protected and not asked to do too much too soon which is something i don't think is going to be the case in chicago uh, potentially i still would say the highest bus potential of the four is fields like if i had to bet which one of these four because all four are not going to work um it's just not how the nfl works is you're not going to have four franchise quarterbacks in the first round like that's that's insane um but what i saw early on and how teams are going to use these different guys i am i am still the most scared for for justin fields because evan do you know who's playing left tackle right now for the chicago bears uh what's it didn't they just sign him like a a day ago yes jason peters yeah jason peters yeah, yeah. who has been I mean, yeah, I mean that's a terrifying thing like he is going to get hit often this fall he's going to get hit but but so okay i can understand with your saying i think he's going to get hurt but a bust no not hurt it's just hurt I'm always scared of young quarterbacks and pressure. Like I'm scared of young quarterbacks and then them being in a situation where they have to win now because Matt Nagy's job's on the line. Ryan Pace's job is on the line. Like there's a lot of pressure to be awesome right right away in Chicago this year. There's no pressure in New York right now. There's two different arguments that you're going to have to go. If you want to make that conversation, you either a think that Justin Fields is going to fail, I guess. I mean, in, in terms of like, I don't I mean, think he's going to really, fail. I think it's okay, just more circumstantial it, for me. This is the better way to put it. Mm. You, you you either think that the first preseason game is enough uh, to go off of, and we can make you know our opinions right now based on that one preseason game. If that's the case, and you think that uh, that's insane because everything he showed in that game would completely disagree with your point. Holds or, the ball for a, a little bit too. Or long. we or the argument I think that make makes more sense for you is that we're saying. It's just preseason. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, this is what I think is going to happen. But yeah, everything we saw in that preseason game completely disagrees with your point. Like he looked incredible. He looks like he's a very he good. smart quarterback mm-hmm. who is not going to have any trouble whatsoever making smart decisions and getting the ball out of his hand and all, all those things. We'll see. I, I think it's still the power rankings <laughs> for me right now is Lance one, Wilson two, Mac three, Fields four. In terms of so do like, you think, do you think Lance is going to start the season or no? Yes, I think Lance might start week That's one. I, I'm leaning towards Lance start starting mm-hmm. week one. No way! Uh, absolutely not. I, I, I that dude. He was the most impressive of the four. That man's got a cannon and is just going to do some ridiculous yeah, stuff. But he's Tr- not consistent. He's not consistent at all. He needs to. He needs to work on his rhythm and things like that. And I mean, that stuff can be taught. That stuff that you can learn. But I don't think three weeks is enough time for him to learn that. It's not only that, but like I said this on the 49ers Hub account and you it like mega Twitter came like screaming <laughs> out of nowhere to yell at me about it. But like to me, like legitimately, when I watched Trey Lance, I saw Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. and everyone like couldn't handle that analogy. But well, anytime he, you he, mention Colin Kaepernick on Twitter, you're, they're coming for you. A hundred percent. But Lance was Lance was throwing absolute fucking bullets that receivers couldn't catch. He was he had a a couple good touch passes. The way you know Cap could kind of like sail a ball over a defender sometimes, and then he had that absolute bomb. And you're like, oh yeah, of course. 
but he made some like really sketchy decisions that cap had, you know, in the, the middle of his career before he was working with chip Kelly was like really bad at. And there's just a lot of things that I saw there. I think Trey Lance is going to be a significantly better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick ever could have been. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge cap fan, but what you saw the first week, the first week of preseason when Trey Lance, that guy can't start week one. You're going to have to see some huge improvements the next couple of games. And, and guys, I'm going to be at the game Sunday mm-hmm. in L.A. against the Chargers. I'll be there to see it. I'm very, very hopeful and excited. I think that would be a really cool way uh, for him to kind of do his thing. But also Joey Bosa uh, guarding Jalen Moore. But you wouldn't be concerned if he's the only quarterback from that first round who's not starting week one. What do you mean concerned? I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than, um, I mean, J- yeah. I'm not well, what I'm saying is I think Fields, by all accounts, is probably going to start week one. I think it's a lock. Zach Wilson starts week one. And I think it's looking more and more like Mac Jones is going to start week one for the Pats. I don't think Mac Jones starts week one, but I do think he starts like week three or week four. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't care. First off, I don't care. Like, well, the reason <laughs> I ask that is because people start week one now. It's very rare to not have your quarterback out week one. It's more of a concern when you when you see that now. Yeah, but like you, you're that's irrelevant because no one has had the same situation as the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's drafted a quarterback in the top five or, you know, whatever you want to uh, ascertain, uh, you know, in terms of like top talented quarterbacks in the drafts, none of them had the team that they have. None of them had the coach. None of them had a strong starting quarterback who really does understand that this is. No, we did. We saw it last year. It's Miami. Like Miami had this same exact problem last year where they had some talent. They had good coaching staff. We like all of them. They played hard for Fitzpatrick. Like Fitzpatrick's kind of in the Garoppolo role where it's like, if all things go right, this could be a good team that wins the AFC East. Um, They pulled him and fans got antsy because it's like, we got to see what we have here in Tua. Like we got to see it because we might have a top five pick next year and we have to, we have to throw him out there and they just forced him in and it was to the detriment of the team because of how long it took. Like it's teams don't do this anymore. It gets, it gets weird quickly you can't shove that in there and just casually be like it's the same thing the dolphins don't have near the fucking roster that the 49ers have and the dolphins sure shit never went to a super bowl and were Mm -hmm. one play away from winning it Mm -hmm. so no it's absolutely not the same as the dolphins not even close i think they're similar I didn't say I they're the exact same. I think they're very similar situations. I I don't think they're similar at all because the the differences between the quality and the talent of the two teams and the differences between Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Fitzpatrick are so like so different. I mean, Fitzpatrick's a better quarterback. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Insane to say that. Like Fitzpatrick at the very best he's ever been is a mediocre quarterback that is fun to watch in exciting times because he has a big beard and wears Ray Vans. <laughs> like, no. You're you're I disagree. I think what we saw and what he'll do in Scott Turner's offense this year, he he's a gunslinger. He he I, I just I think he has higher upside, a higher ceiling than uh Fitzpatrick has never had upside. He's never had upside. He's never had upside once in his life. He's never had a high ceiling once in his life. He does he's, for eight weeks. He, 
No, he is quite literally a Ford Taurus. <laughs> what? Like 2003 Ford Taurus. He, what? He's got Where's this analogy going? He's got miles on him. Uh-huh. He's going to get you to point A to point B. He's got decent gas mileage. Uh-huh. And there was, a fucking, there was a fucking point in time where you saw it everywhere. But And just like how Ryan Fitzpatrick has played on every NFL team, there's a Ford Taurus on every street in the city. And that's fine. But no, he's not. He's not. Ex- no. High seat? No. Ford Taurus. How are you going to do, like, the mountain and hill that you want to die on is Ryan Fitzpatrick? It's not dying on the hill. There's no hill dying. Do you want to, like, do? should we get Chad Henney involved or we're going to talk about mediocre, boring quarterbacks? I mean, who could forget that Monday night, just, that Monday night moment (laughs) in the orange jerseys finding Ted Ginn deep? Leave the memories alone. Chad Henney, let's go. Um... But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the, the point was of whether or not Lance was going to start. And Lance <laughs> Lance is going to have to do absolutely Lindsay's going to hang up on us. To start. No, mm-hmm. she, no she's, she's right there with me. She agrees. I don't think – why are you just – what do you mean she's, she agrees? We don't know. Lindsay, who do you, who do you side more with on this? Evan. 100%. Oh, no. <laughs> the fact that you just tried to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick was Jimmy Garoppolo just like sent me through the roof. No, not he is Jimmy Garoppolo. They're very different quarterbacks. What I'm saying is he has more upside than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think he was better last year than Jimmy Garoppolo has been. Um, I think what we saw. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt uh, half the season. No, no, no. What I'm saying is Jimmy Garoppolo, the Super Bowl run oh. versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, those first, whatever, 10 weeks, I think was better than anything we saw. From Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo had a 70% completion rating, th- almost mm-hmm. 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 102 passer rating the Super Bowl year. Mm-hmm. Has Ryan Fitzpatrick ever done that in his life? Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's see, he had a 68.5 completion percentage last year. I knew it was close to 70% before he got pulled. He was 4-3 and three at the time, 7.8 yards per attempt, 13 TDs, 8 picks. Um, nah, he was he was really, really good last year for Miami. And he was 38. His year with the Buccaneers, he had 100 passer rating, 17 and 12, 2,300 yards. Mm-hmm. So he was a solid 1,600 yards short and... 15 or 10 touchdowns short. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the Jets here. He had 31 and 15 touchdowns. Ryan Fitzpatrick is, he is, he is the, your team has either given up on their season or has a rookie quarterback quarterback. Well, Fitzpatrick's just like Jake DeLum. where like, if everything rolls the right way, he can go on a Super Bowl run and win you a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think, like, he's someone who can get hot at the right time and win you a Super Bowl. And it's interesting that Lindsey is so anti Fitzpatrick because of how many parallels he has to Joe Flacco, the get hot quarterback. Flacco, the... I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but am I missing something? I, obviously, Lindsey, you are biased, mm-hmm. but Joe Flacco is like twice the quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick ever was. Oh, absolutely. I, th- no. I mean, Joe Flacco is relevant for 10 years for, with one franchise. Mm. You know how rare that is? Ryan Fitzpatrick could never. I just the, don't think any of that happens if he doesn't get that one hot run. That's it. Because he got paid. Jay, and they had to keep running Jay, it back with him. Here, here's what we need to do. We mm-hmm. need to do a poll mm-hmm. on your Twitter account because I think I've got like 100 followers now. Yeah. Uh, but I want I, th- I want I want to say this on well not on air but mm-hmm. on wax recorded. I think you're the only person on earth that is thinks this highly of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's being a little facetious. But I think if you put a poll up, maybe I just uh, want to spend time at his his Arizona house. Maybe I want to just uh, go hang out. Based on Robert Mays, they have a great 
kitchen setup, cooking setup, like that podcast. Yeah, I, Maybe I just want some pancakes. I think, I think no one. I think like almost no one will agree mm. with you about your Ryan Fitzpatrick sentiment. We'll see. He's thirty-eight years old. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he lives in Gilbert. It's because he's retired. <laughs> I think that's where he's from, but uh, teach their own. Um, let's get into the AFC North before uh, we, we the, the Ryan before more listeners just shut down just because of this Fitzpatrick versus Garoppolo conversation. Um, Lindsay, let's start with your team, the Baltimore Ravens. The biggest question heading into the 2021 season for the Ravens is what? Um, the receiver position, 100%. Um, I feel like every training camp we have this same problem where, I mean, receivers are just, I don't know what they're doing with them. They might do some weird kind of like voodoo or something. Somebody needs to like sage them off when they draft them because this is just like horrifying. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every year we go through the same thing. So I, I don't know if you guys saw today, but now Sammy Watkins is hurt which should shock no nobody. But um, that means the Ravens' top three receivers are now hurt or going to be out for a significant amount of time. So um, that includes Hollywood Brown. Rashad Bateman is out. John Harbaugh, again, wants to sugarcoat it and say he'll be back in September, but I believe it'll be October before we see him at all. Um, and then Sammy Watkins. So. How's yeah, Tylen Wallace? Lamar had COVID. Huh? How is Tylen Wallace? I don't know. I haven't really heard much about him. I haven't really heard his name. Mm. Um, None of this but, is good. Yeah. yeah, and because Lamar had COVID for the second time, he wasn't able to get into training camp with those guys and work with them, which was their top thing on their to-do list this offseason, and they weren't able to do it. So that's definitely not improving in the areas that we want to improve in. Yeah, I mean, the... The Jackson to Mark Andrews connection is still an, a really strong connection in general. Uh, I don't think it should be taken away. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards will, will do, I think, do fairly well this year. Um, and I think that's always, you know, that's been their thing, right? As long as Greg Roman's there, like the receivers are an afterthought. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but yeah, I mean, Lindsay, Lindsay hit the nail on the head and like, I feel like I, I, other than Lindsay, I don't think I know like a single Ravens fan on earth. And I think if I would have, I probably would have like ended that friendship long ago when the Ravens <laughs> beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But like, I've been watching it like from afar forever. Like the wide receiver position with the Ravens is thoroughly cursed thoroughly. I mean, like, like, I don't know. Anquan Bolden was pretty cursed proof for a long time, but well, he traded yeah. traded for him yep Derek mason i guess was not a homegrown i'm trying like, to think who was the last great homegrown Smith, right i guess it is tory smith Tory smith was the last one they drafted yeah which yeah in the, if we're gonna bring up joe flacco again joe flacco got tory smith paid with the 49ers um so right and i and i mean you know tory smith is a great guy but like you know tory smith i feel like is like the one exception there because every single person you know brashad perryman uh hollywood brown now, uh, you know, uh, what's Rashad Bateman getting in, injured? It's just like, it's just sad. Like, what a weird, terrible, sad thing. Like, it, you know, it reminds me of like the 49ers run at drafting wide receivers for like that decade where they like just never, you know, AJ Jenkins and things like that. Like, but like the, the Ravens have talented receivers and they've been drafting people with talent. But they just never pan out. Do you Couldn't think like be my team. Thing? 
Couldn't be my team. Julio, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Roddy White. Could not be my team. Couldn't relate. Okay, okay. you had me at everybody except for Russell Gage. Like, let's relax. Hold on, Russell Gage. Russell Gage is on a mission. And it helps to have a quarterback, which you guys don't have, so. Well, hold on. Hold on, Lindsay. You at least (laughs) have to give him some credit for leading the charge to get the first, the first, folks. History will always remember. The first team to 100% vaccination rate, and he is credited for being the guy who got them there. You know, I will That's say, my quarterback. I, I will say this. In, in the same light that Joe Flacco got Torrey Smith mm-hmm. a contract, you know, I think it's really, like, kind of Julio Jones to get Matt Ryan a contract. Okay, that's, that's, <laughs> you know? that's enough. That's enough. It doesn't matter. Roddy White, Julio Jones, Algie Crumpler – doesn't matter he could throw anyone out there he's gonna be fine um i'm excited no shout out to matt ryan what a great guy great quarterback raised the first bout hall of famer all that unanimous um what is interesting though is it sounds like to me Lindsay, you were saying jk dobbins should be a fantasy football top 10 top 5 selection for a lot of people is that what i was saying that's what it sounded like to me (laughs) buy all the jk dobbins stock uh, maybe a little bit of Gus Edwards in the third round if you're feeling frisky. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I like him. I think he's definitely. Obviously, the wide receivers aren't going to do shit, so he's got to do something. Um, a lot of Ravens fans are really high on him. Um, he's really fast, <laughs> and I think over him over Gus Edwards, I think is the right the right pick there. Okay. I think he complements Lamar Jackson really well. How much of a problem is it going to be that Lamar has missed this much time this summer? Um, I think it's going to be a lot more than people are hoping for or that people are expecting. I mean, I know people are only saying it's it's just training camp and everything, but that's what did he miss like eight or nine practices? Like yes. that's a lot. Um, it's a lot of. I mean, just everything, especially like I mentioned before, the how the the item at the top of their to-do list was to work on chemistry with receivers to improve that passing game because they were ranked 32 last year. So obviously that's the thing you need to work on. And I mean, Ravens will tell you till they're blue in the face that we, we swear he can throw. Well, now's the time to see it. And he hasn't gotten time to work on it. So um I don't know. I feel like the, the I feel like the team hasn't gotten any better in that sense because they haven't had time to do any of that. And um, I don't know. It's easy to say like, oh, Lamar is such a pro and he can, you know, just go in week one without any practice. Like, that's not how that works. That's not how that happens. And um, the fact that he's like unvaccinated and, you know, can't really hang out, can't really be in meetings and like hang out with teammates and all that kind of stuff is just like also not great. Doesn't help with the chemistry. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot more of a shock to people than they think. Yeah, I, 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 I am very interested to see how this season will play off with the unvaccinated players. Um, I really, and I really am because I, I wonder. I, you know, I don't think the NFL will do this just for the simple fact of like star power and things like that. But like, if this Delta variant is like getting as bad as it's getting, and it, I mean, you see how like contagious it is, and uh, you know, it's like really starting to you know really be bad. Like, does the NFL like take even bigger steps here? Like, Lamar Jackson has gotten COVID twice now. 
I mean, I'm hoping that his body's like getting better at fighting it, but like, I, I just don't understand like what these quarterbacks think is going to happen if they get COVID and they're unable to play. Like, can you imagine everyone on your team that's vac- that's vaccinated and it's like an important game? Or, you know, you're in a division where, like, the Browns are pretty good. The Steelers will at least be competitive to some extent. And your quarterback just maybe misses a, a game five, a game, you know, a week five, week six, week seven game when they're literally chasing other teams in the division. Like, I just don't understand how that that's going to play. Yep, that's my issue with him, with them, too. And it's not just Lamar Jackson. I don't want to feel like I'm, like, just calling him out. But, like, Kirk Cousins, too. Like, mm-hmm. He's in a tough division, also, and um, well, hold like, on. He figured it out. I... He's got the plexiglass. He's got a system. He's going to be fine. <laughs> like he's figured it out. He's he's galaxy brained it. It's good. Everything's fine. Nothing to see there, folks. Yeah, like Carson Wentz too. I mean, like, Car- like the the Colts are literally in the driver's seat for that division. Mm-hmm. It, like, and it, it could come down to one guy who just screws it up for everybody. And then, like, what do you, what's going to happen? Is the locker room going to turn on you? Because that could potentially happen. Um, and I don't know. And it's not just like it's not just Lamar in Baltimore either. I mean, Derek Wolf's not vaccinated. I'm not going to sit here and call anybody else out. But a lot of like their key players are not vaccinated, and it's not it's not ideal if yeah. something like that happens. Hmm. Definitely not. On the defensive side, Lindsay. It. I'm very excited about Martindale's group here. I think they're going to be elite. Like, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say in this podcast, like, I think right now, I still, like, if it's not the Chiefs, it's the Browns, the Ravens in the Super Bowl this year. And I'm leaning towards one of the two because the Chiefs just going three straight. It's just, it, it's going to be really, really difficult to pull that off. But if it's not the Chiefs, I still go back and forth between the Ravens and the Browns. And the Browns have had just a more seamless offseason. They're healthy. Um, the Ravens are kind of having the offseason of hell, but like Sammy Watkins was turning heads at practice and like he was like the best receiver early on in camp. And now, like you said, everything with COVID and all that kind of stuff, but like the Alejandro Villanueva signing was great. That kind of came out of nowhere. Like I like everything that they, that DeCastro has done, especially on defense because Ty Spouser is like an easy dude to root for Pete, uh, Pete Dunn. Um, Tyler Dunn had a really great piece on go long TD. Uh, I think it was last week on his story and you just signed Justin Houston who still has a lot left in the John Abraham role. Patrick Queen can't be any worse than he was last year because he was one of the worst linebackers in football last year. Um, you still have Clayus Campbell. You have Marlon Humphrey. You have um, just Marcus Peters. You have Jimmy Smith. You have Tavon Young. Like you have dudes everywhere on this defense and you still have the best kicker in football and Justin Tucker. Like this still should be considered the favorite in the AFC North, right? Like this should be a Super Bowl contending team because these years with Lamar and Evan and I have talked about it on previous podcasts where it's like their window is the next three years. Like they can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. It's just you can't do it 10 years from now. You have to do it now and it has to be within the next three to five. So I, I don't know. Do you think this is still like the team that should be the favorite in the AFC North? on paper and a Super Bowl contender, like a Super Bowl favorite, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I think for me personally, I feel like the Browns are kind of, if I had to pick a division winner right now, and I know it's August, but um, I think I'd pick the Browns over the Ravens just because of the, the offense not quite coming together for Baltimore yet. Um, But I mean, I think like you said, like the defense, I think is their strong suit. 
as of right now, which is weird to say that Lamar Jackson's on your team and I'm picking the defense over the offense as of right now. But um, I just feel like they're they're um, a more complete unit. Um, the problem there for me is like like all those guys you mentioned, I'm not sold on like their depth issue. Um, I feel like if one or two of those guys go down and the Ravens have been lucky with injuries for the past couple of years to where they haven't had a lot of starters go down at once or have missed the season or whatever. So I don't want to say like I'm practicing voodoo or anything and hoping that comes to them. Cause I'm sure somebody will make that up and say that I said that. Um, <laughs> but I feel like one or two of those three of those guys go down. I feel like you just have to start, you know, picking guys up and I don't know if they can sustain that, but I mean, they've got their secondaries, their strong suit. I love Marlon Humphrey. He's great. Um, and I feel like he, you need a guy like that in that division. And when you're trying to beat Patrick Mahomes, when you're trying to beat Josh Allen, I feel like Marlon Humphrey is the guy you need to have there. Yeah. I mean, also, Calais Campbell is still a very, very, yeah. very incredible person to watch play football. You know, the, the I think the Ravens have a lot of good things on their team. I'm still excited about – Marcus Peters, uh, Jimmy Smith is going to be kind of interesting to watch as that's, you know, secondary backup position. Um, but really, to me, it all just depends on the growth of, of Lamar Jackson. You know, we've seen him, you know, his rookie year obviously was incredible. He, he, I, I still want to see him become more of a passer. Um, not that he needs to show anything really he's, he's done it already but like i want to see him like kind of in, enshrine himself as a, as a as a passing quarterback um but it, it, at the end of the day like it, it i think it, the team will go as lamar jackson goes and he's an incredibly exciting talented player but there is some things that you you want to see from him and and I, and I gotta say it's just an interesting year like COVID is weird and uh it, you know if this guy misses more games because of COVID, like so it's yeah, it doesn't seem like the type of division that will have a lot of leeway. You know, I think a, I think a couple yeah. mistakes here and there will be too much for a team to 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 catch up on. I agree. <clears throat> uh, Lindsay, final thing on the Ravens, final record prediction. What do you have? Oh, um, let's see. I'm gonna say it's 17 games this year, right? God, mm-hmm. the math is gonna me out hold on <laughs> um i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna say 11 wins okay yeah Evan, what I about was, you i was gonna say 10 wins so right around that right around that range um you know, if if Lamar gets COVID a couple of times though, or if he's out like a couple of weeks, you know, I would say maybe closer to like eight. But they 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 have a really talented roster. I'm gonna say thirteen. <clears throat> I think this is a like okay. I I think this Brown like what either one of Browns Baltimore is winning at least thirteen games this fall, and I still I think I'm leaning more. The more I dive in, I'm still like I'm still super high on both of them. We'll get to the Browns quickly in just a second but i do think it's really close i'm gonna go 13 right now i'm i'm predicting right now august 16th the ravens of the super bowl team in the afc i still think that it's just it's got to happen at some point so um and i feel more comfortable betting on harbaugh 
and Lamar than I do Baker and Stefanski in year two. Um, speaking of the Browns, though, Evan, your biggest question heading into the 2021 season for the Cleveland Browns is what? For the Browns? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. It's It's a weird conversation for me because, like, without any real reason or, like, you know, logical facts to back it up, I think the Browns are going to fail this year. I don't know how much of it is just being the Browns or maybe that I don't have the same faith in Baker Mayfield that a lot of people have. I think it might just be, like, sometimes when people get really loud in support of a guy who I don't think has really made it yet sometimes bothers me. Um, but I've just, I don't know, man. I just, I'm going to have to see it. I got to see it with the Browns and they, they had some good games last year and Baker looked good towards the end of the season, starting to figure things out. So it definitely could happen. You know, bringing back Odell Beckham jr. Is, 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 a you know, he's one of the most exciting players in the NFL. So there's a lot to like there. Um, I, I don't think the Jadavian Clowney, Signing doesn't really move the needle for me at all. Um, That's why you bring but, in Tack McKinley. You have that insurance there. Yeah, Bay Area legend <laughs> Tack McKinley. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 49ers legend Tack McKinley, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was signed for all of three seconds before he didn't pass his physical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, The Browns have a good roster. I think they'll surprise, surprise, like every single other team in this division, they'll go as far as their quarterback goes. I don't know. I mean, Joe Burrow can only do so much in Cincinnati. I think they have, they have bigger stuff there. Um, I just think it's interesting, Lindsay, who do you believe in more defensively? Because I think the Browns and the Ravens are built so similarly on both sides of the ball that like, I, this is why it's so difficult. Like they signed Troy Hill. They signed John Johnson, the third, they have Greedy Williams. They drafted Greg Newsom in the first round. They've invested so much in their secondary. They've also invested in veterans on the defensive line with Malik Jackson and Jadavion Clowney, similar to what the Ravens have done as well with Clayus Campbell and friends. But like, I could like, I just think it's going to go back and forth. And I love Joe Woods at DC and, um, I don't know. I think it's just so tight. And that's why you had the Browns winning this division. If you had to guess right now, why do you believe in the Browns more than the Ravens? Is there anything specifically that stands out to you? Um, I just feel like they have more to build on. I feel like after last year, I, I, I mean, even the fans have got a, a taste of winning again. And um, I love Andrew Barry. I think he's doing a great job. Kevin Stefanski was like the heartbeat of that team. Um, and I just feel like they have a good core there um, to just build upon their winning from last year. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, the, the rosters are so similar and that's what made um, Ravens Steelers so great back in the day was mm-hmm. because they were like literally carbon copies of each other. So um, I think it'll be really exciting to watch. And I, um, I feel like they're the, they're the top two in the division right now. And I mean, I don't think it's particularly fall, close. Like, Huh? I don't think it's particularly close, right? Like, I don't think the Steelers and the Bengals are anywhere close to these oh, two no. teams. I really don't. No, no. Yeah. Um, I I have a hard time counting the Steelers out because every time I do that, I feel like they <laughs> come back and, like, bite me in the ass like they did last year when they went undefeated for, what was it, like, nine Well, years? I mean, Evan, Evan and I, every week, we're like, this is the most fraudulent undefeated. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is a joke. Like, what is happening here is an yeah. absolute joke. I have never been more certain this team is getting bounced immediately in the playoffs as I was the Pits- we were with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. 
Yeah, but still, I mean, they won so many games in a row. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, count them out completely. I will. And, like, and I will count Ben Roethlisberger and this group out. I will do it all over disagree. again this year. Holy disagree. In fact, Lindsay, I need you to understand that I counted them out with both feet up on the table. Um, <laughs> literally, it was one of the easiest things I had ever done. Not that I have a personal strong opinion on the matter or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know. Evan, how many wins for the Browns this fall? You know, this extra game really keeps throwing me off because I want to go. And they're going to change again anyway. Like, we're going to 18 in, like, two years. Like, it's just going to get changed again. Well, it's like, I'm like, 13 wins? God, that's so many. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. eh. Uh, I I think for the Browns, I'm thinking uh, 11. I think 11. 11 sounds right to me, too. Right in that range. You know, I think with the Ravens and the Browns, like, you know, plus or minus a game or two is completely reasonable. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But... The Browns have a really exciting offense, and I think they could have a pretty exciting defense. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's going to be very very fun to watch them if Baker can be the you know the quarterback they drafted him to be. The Pittsburgh Steelers going into next year, I I am not in on this group. Matt Canada is their new OC, which is just baffling to me. Like I've watched a lot of Matt Canada tape in college like he was the oc at lsu he was the oc at maryland and then the interim head coach there after the dj durkin saga like he he's been good Virgo's like i like matt canada's system it's just weird to see him get an nfl oc job like what you're gonna see here in pittsburgh is a lot of ben rothsburg getting it out really quickly and no downfield stuff like the downfield stuff's gone i'm like a big claypool juju uh, Deontay Johnson guy, James Washington obviously wants out, so it seems like he's not a factor long term. Not a lot of depth after those big three, but also this offensive line fell apart last year, and I'm they they lost more pieces. Villanueva is gone. Like they had um, who just retired? Who who am I playing? Uh, DeCastro gone. And yeah. you look at this, and I'm like Ben Roethlisberger behind a just decrepit offensive line. It, Nachi Harris is not going to fix any of this. Like I was listening to. I think Bucky Brooks talked about this on Move the Sticks, where it's like they what they're missing last year with their rotational backs with McFarlane and Snell and Connor. It's like they didn't have that Le'Veon Bell type, and Najee's going to fit the bell. I'm like, that's not going to fix their problems. Their problems is they're not going to be able to block. And Roethlisberger is a year older, and this group is just not as good. Like they have an elite defense. I think they'll have an elite defense again this year. But like, I I do not believe in this offensive group and them being able to replicate what they did last year. I think this is going to be like a a sad 500 type team where they're going to have to ask questions like is Ben Roethlisberger going to make it 17 games? Like, should we pull him at some point? Like, I think that's a real, real possibility here. What do you think, Lindsay? I I mean, every year I say Ben Roethlisberger is going to be hurt by the second week of October and every year it seems to come true. And I feel like this year I'm going to move it up to September. Mm. Like you said, that offensive line is terrible. And I like Najee Harris. I think he's going to be good. But like you said, he doesn't really solve anything there. He didn't really fill a hole that they had there. And I really wanted them to take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, that, like, that makes sense. You know, obviously Ben Roethlisberger, is, his body is held together with toothpicks and rubber bands. And <laughs> like, yeah. there's like the sec you can blow on him and he's going to fall over, you know, it's, <laughs> And their defense is just like it's not what it used to be. Would he fall um, over if you blew on him in a, a bathroom at a bar? 
Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I'm, um, I'm just I'm just trying to understand <laughs> the reference. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I just I feel like, and it's sad because like I. I respect Ben Roethlisberger. Well, I'm, that's going a little too far. Um, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, but for him to go out, like I feel like he's going to go out this year is just kind of sad from like a football standpoint because he is a good football player. Um, and he, obviously being a Ravens fan, like he was the epicenter of all of like the Ravens-Steelers rivalry for so long. And just to see him kind of go out, like I feel like they might win like five, five or six, seven games, and that might be it for them. Um, and I like I know that like Dwayne Haskins had like the great preseason game or something, but he's not going to be doing anything special back there either if Ben Roethlisberger isn't. So I just feel like they're doomed to fail this year, and it's kind of sad, but kind of not. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, who's the Steelers' backup right now? Is it still Mason Rudolph? Well, they're battling. Mason and Dwayne are battling at the moment. It's not going to be Josh Dobbs. Oh wait, wait, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. You know that would yeah. be interesting because I don't think Ben finishes the season. Like we all joke about it, but like I genuinely don't think he finishes the season. So Dwayne Haskins notably was a big giant piece of shit in Washington uh, <laughs> and did not care about football or trying or mm-hmm. anything. If they can, tr- I mean, if anybody, Mike Tomlin is the guy to do it. If they could turn that around. The problem with uh, Haskins though, is he excels behind a clean pocket and he at Ohio state super accurate he didn't take a lot of chances he did a lot of the quick stuff and putting the ball in his playmaker's hands like he'll have that with juju and friends but like i don't know how this is gonna work with a bad offensive line i don't think he works behind a bad offensive line so i don't i don't know like it the talent's there i just i wouldn't i wouldn't bet on Dwayne haskins being being the answer especially based on what we saw the last answer year. no i'm just saying that's who's going to play quarterback for the majority of the season well speaking of quarterbacks can i sidetrack us real quick i think that's fair chase edmonds great name k1 that he just tweeted this out i wanted to share this with you and get your instant reaction k1 i think he's talking about kyler here threw a damn ball on the run today about 50 yards in the air on my soul it would have been a dime in every currency in the world lord have mercy put that tweet in the hall of fame i think i'm gonna print that out and put it on my put it on my office wall i think uh, i think i'm gonna do that kyler murray uh an athletic freak yeah kyler murray's uh you're gonna get a couple of those every every few games he's just gonna throw shit up this year to hop it's gonna be great just just to see the kind of stuff that he just throws up in the air also a fun hot fact played he plays every snap have y'all looked at the pff data on it like he just plays every snap he, no receivers do this anymore, and I guess I've maybe become too accustomed to the Julio snap counts, but like this man just plays every snap. He never takes a playoff. DeAndre Hopkins, just, I'm not coming out, coach. That's not happening. <laughs> it's very interesting. True or false, Lindsay? Melvin Ingram is a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers now. Is he? He is, isn't he? He is. Is that not wild? Like, I was going through this tonight, and I was like, I completely forgot he how the mighty have fallen. Melvin know. Ingram is not even a starter, but he is a backup uh, outside linebacker for the Steelers this fall. Yeah, I was I was very confused in the beginning when he was a free agent and he was getting like no like visits or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I really wanted the 49ers to sign him, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch him. That's for sure. Lindsay wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you have? Um, 
I say eight at the absolute most, but I'm thinking more like six or seven. Okay. Evan, what about you? I'm right there with Lindsay. I'm going to just agree with everything she says. I have seven. Seven sounds right. Seven and ten sounds right. And then they have a very uh, tumultuous offseason where they they remake some stuff and some surprising pieces move would be my guess. Um, The Bengals. Joe Burrow's team, his division. um, People on this podcast have uh, sounded the alarms on Burrow being a little concerned, moving around in the pocket. Um, I'm here to defend the coolest college quarterback of all time. He's fine. It's going to take some time to mentally heal and process what happened to him last year. Um, Jonah Williams is back though at left tackle. That's a huge thing. Their first round pick from last year out of Alabama. Like he is going to be really good. I think this offensive line should be better in Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati's going to be a much better ball club. And if you watch your guy, like I think it was Eric Crocker who was pointing out T Higgins putting in work for this Bengals wide receiver group. Jamar Chase has looked a little out of place so far, but that 11 personnel, Jamar, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins, pretty good. Also, Trent Taylor standing out as well. Like, Trent Taylor, I think, is going to be a good player for them. Um, Riley Reef at that right tackle spot. Joe Mixon um, being the all-purpose guy. Um, I, I just, there's a lot to like with the skill, talent, and the position talent there. Um, they have one of the best safeties in football, and Jesse Bates the third. Um, I'm a little concerned about their corner situation with uh, Trey Waynes and Mike Hilton and Chidobe Awuzie, but like, I don't know. I, I, I like a lot of this. The Trey Hendricks thing should be interesting to see what happens there, replacing Carl Lawson. I think this defense is not going to be very good, but I think it'll be better than it was a year ago. And I also just think this offense is going to turn some heads. I really do. I think this offense is going to be solid. I think the offensive line will be better. Evan, what say you? Yeah, I mean, the, I just I can't not comment on the Trent Taylor thing because I just got to say, like, Trent Taylor has been impressing people in training camp since mm. the dawn of time. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he came out of the womb and they were like, this guy has had a great camp so far. Um, <laughs> I love Trent Taylor. I like so follow him on IG. Uh, you know, I, I've we've talked a couple times here and there, like, you know, just on IG, like he's a very nice guy. I think him and his wife are like, the, I don't know if they've gotten married yet, but like him and his girl are like the cutest, like uh, most like American sweetheart couple I've ever seen in my life. He's, he's a nice guy. Uh, but I just I wish him the best. I don't expect them to get much from him this year. Um, Joe Burrows, dude, let me just tell you. Uh, and Lindsay, close your ears real quick. But watching Jimmy Garoppolo after he tore his ACL be not the same quarterback that he was prior to tearing his ACL. How dare you? I like I told you, man. I'm very worried for for uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Joe Burrow was a very athletic, exciting talent before that. ACL injuries are no joke, and uh, you know, time and time again, not you know, not everybody can come back like Tom Brady. And we've all we've all you know kind of accepted that Tom Brady sold his soul for all of that anyway. So the Bengals, I I really hope the best for Joe Burrow because I want to see him play good football. Um, you know he he's definitely going to be the, still has the chance to be the second best quarterback in his draft class. Um, but yeah, the Bengals have a lot of holes. Mm. T Higgins is good though. T Higgins is good. This receiving core, I think the 11 personnel and Zach Taylor coming out of the Sean McVay system, 
um, just with what McVeigh did with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and um, who am I blanking on? Not Josh Reynolds. Who is oh Brandon Cooks? Um, I think you could see something similar uh, this season with Cincinnati, and I think there's more young upside with this group. Lindsay, what do you think? Yeah, I like the offense um, in Cincinnati. I think they'll be much improved, especially on that offensive line that just got Joe Burrow crushed last year. I think the defense is going to be their problem, especially in that division. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see I can, the Bengals are such a weird team because I feel like they can absolutely surprise a lot of people and like beat the Ravens once or beat the Browns once. Um or something like that this year, but um, I feel like that's kind of their ceiling as far as this year. Hmm. So what do you think? Do you think there is a chance that they finish ahead of the Steelers in the AFC North? I think so. I mean, if they, if everybody stays healthy and it kind of, it kind of depends on the Steelers for me. Um, I mean, if, if Ben Roethlisberger is out by like week three, then absolutely. But if not, then probably not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Evan, what about you? Uh, <laughs> Just do it. Bre- drink know. it in. Joe Burrow, the comeback story. He's locking in comeback player of the year. How many games did they win last smoking year? Smoking a cigar. Yeah, smoking a cigar as he goes 6-11. and 11. How Championships many games did they win ma- last year? Uh, like, really? Let me pull that up. I actually don't know. I think it was pretty bad. Four? I was going to say, it was something like that. Was it four? Four and 12 sounds right. Uh, let me pull this up. Uh, they went... Oh my goodness, why is this not popping up? Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is good podcasting. It was... <laughs> oh wow. my god. It's still putting up 2020. Okay, ESPN, come on. And now I just Anyways. accidentally followed... The Bengals, which is not good. Uh, what loss? loss. The, you, Three, four, the five, four six, Jesus Christ. seven, eight, okay. nine, hey, ten, stop. eleven. Please, please, dear God, stop. <laughs> they were four and eleven. Okay. Or four so, and eleven yeah. and one. They tied. Yeah, I think maybe maybe six wins this year, maybe mm. seven wins, but like it's going to be an ugly year for them. I don't think so. I think they six. were one and six away last year. Mm-hmm. Not worried. Not worried. They ended the year on a high note, winning two of three, beating Houston, Pitt, and getting crushed by Baltimore to close the year. But uh, that was also with uh, the other Allen. There's so many Allens. Was that Josh Allen? Which Allen was that? Not Josh. Um, Kyle. Brandon Allen. Was it Brandon which one? Allen. Brandon. Brandon. That's right. There's there, there's yeah. so many of them. There's so many of them because the <laughs> Kyle one, the former five star kid out of Texas. Kyle from DC. Yeah, yeah, like there's several of these. Um, and Brandon's the one from Arkansas, right? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. The the college football guy. Um, all right, guys. Well, we got it. That I will say. Final prediction for me: Ravens one, Browns two, Bengals three, Steelers four. Um, Evan, what about you? I gotta say, uh, I'm going Ravens one, Browns two, Steelers three, Bengals four. Lindsay. All right, I'm going Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals. Okay. All right. I'm gonna be the one and pick the Browns. Okay. I I mean, uh, I was there for most of this offseason, and then I'm just like, 
I don't know. I keep going back and forth. It's subject to change next week. The Browns and the Bengals. I'm just so excited for 120 minutes of Browns Ravens. That's really just what I'm excited about. I, I just cannot wait to watch these two teams play. Like it's going to be so much fun to actually see it just play out on the gridiron, as the 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 kids say. Lindsay, what can we check out from you this week? Um, you can check me out at lindsayok.com, and I will be posting. I posted my um, rankings for the rookie debuts from last week, and then I'll be doing some people and positions to watch for this coming week. All right, go check that out. And you have a Patreon as well, correct? Yes, and that's what that stuff is on currently. Okay. So it's patreon.com slash okay. Go do that, and Evan. What? Can, I don't even know how to. You, you're banned from everything. Get yeah, shout out, <laughs> shout out, shout out to the new Twitter account burner under slash uh, swords. Um, no, I, <laughs> should check, you even promote your burner? Well, so okay, so it, there's just so much going on here. But I actually just, I, I, I told you, you know, I, I, I created a VPN with my work computer to create an account. Yada yada yada. Um, yeah, uh, ch- check me out on, uh, that Twitter account, but more importantly, um, I can't really say much right now, but the 49ers hub, uh, have a partnership that we're going to be announcing soon that is going to, uh, I think change the entire way we approach, we approach, uh, sports Twitter and, uh, it's, I'm very excited about it and I'm just going to tease a little right here, right now. Um, you guys will hear a lot more about it soon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Lindsay, it was great checking in with you as always. Um, follow them. Lindsay. Okay. And burner swords, uh, burner <laughs> underscore under slash underscore swords <laughs> and shout out to you for pronouncing the last name correctly. What? Uh, Evan Sowards. Oh, you I always thought it was Sowards. <laughs> See? Yeah. It's swords like two swords, mm-hmm. multiple plural, Swords would be the O and the W switch, right? Listen, That's what I say. Not a, not every single T, not every single name on Earth is pronounced the way it's spelled. It took an hour and fifteen minutes, well, but be. I got Lindsay on my side. It took it took the very end of the podcast. <laughs> it took the very end, but it took Evans' last That's name. What happens. That's what happens when you talk shit about Jimmy Garoppolo and call him Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's not what I did. Yeah. No, no, you said something worse. You said that Ryan Fitzpatrick was better. You know what? When Ryan and I are hitting the hitting the clubs in uh, Gilbert, Arizona, wherever you said he's he's living these days, um, you'll be jealous. And now I'm gonna get some beard tips because I can only grow a goatee, so I'm curious how he how he does that. What uh, what's going on there? But you know, isn't Joe Flacco also growing a pretty thick beard? What are these people doing with oh, these? Yeah. Yeah, what does this summer beard look like? That would be so itchy. Like, well, how, I don't know how people are doing that right now. It's it's rather hot. I couldn't give you my opinion. I've never had a beard. <laughs> well, you know, not with that attitude, Lindsay. All right, come on. There's, you can do it if you want to, or put your mind to it. Evan, can you grow a beard? Uh, I mean, I so I can grow up. I think what what I, I would. What yeah, I, I, I was thinking the exact same give thing, me, Lindsay. Give me a second. <laughs> I can grow like what I think is a subpar beard. Mm-hmm. And I think there's plenty of guys that like will just still like grow it out because they want a beard. And I am, be- I am better than that. And I have more respect for myself. And I have always had like a good, you know, stubble 
five o'clock shadow, if you will, sometimes. And I know my I know my I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. I know that if I try and grow my beard out, there's photos, by the way. There was a there was a dark period of time when everyone had a beard mm-hmm. uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And it wasn't a good look. I know better. I can't believe I just gave him the platform who, to give who that. Who has a beard answer. in Arizona? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, saying. that's so hot. Doing during uh, what was that? So when I came back, it was like 2016, I think, something like that. Um, I yeah, everybody had plaid shirts and beards. Mm. It's weird, weird time, weird time. You don't wear any plaid. You're an all solid color. Uh, I, I I am like I said, Lindsay, and we don't even need this part to be a part of the podcast at this point. But I mean, I, I haven't am, closed off yet, so I don't know how to cut this I, up. This is still part of it. So whatever you would like, like just I, keep I've it said, going, I Evan. I've said it before on the podcast, but I am the worst Portlander mm-hmm. in history. I don't like beer. I don't like the outdoors. I don't like strip clubs. I don't really care for coffee that much, um, and I don't wear plaid. Hmm. That's rough. I mean, I have plaid stuff. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not against it necessarily. I don't believe you. I, I think, don't think you have plaid stuff. Think, I've only seen you in like black, gray, and white. I don't think you act in when well, you were for okay, so stuff. first off, since the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? You know, like you're, you're not seeing me wear anything but a t-shirt. I will be. I will be. I'm. I'm not doing it. I'm not putting. I mean, I'm going to wear a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing is important. Is so important anymore that requires a dress shirt incorrect dress shirts are critical to being productive during the day like i don't know how people are productive with like loungewear i don't understand it chase i can i need you to understand something and Lindsay, i apologize this is maybe a little too much i have been wearing five inch shorts and like literally maybe ever wear a t-shirt in my apartment well that is my new work attire Mm. legitimately like legitimately i i mean right now my my legs are like scratching against the uh, the seat because five inch shorts. So I I wholeheartedly disagree. I mean, your opinion is more of the norm. Like I just encounter people that are like, no, I'm just sweatpants all the time every day, and I'm just like, I don't understand how you're productive. Like there's no, my brain doesn't work like that. I cannot be productive if I'm still wearing like what I slept in the night before. I cannot do that. Or even if I'm like after my runs and stuff, I have to like change into like my work clothes basically. Yeah, I only I mean, write in work clothes. Lindsay, what do you think? Do you I wear, wear do, do you wear normal wear clothes on the airplane? Clothes. Oh, on the airplane. Yeah, like do you wear normal clothes or do you wear gym clothes? Oh, I wear like leggings and a t-shirt. A hundred percent. Or like leggings and a tank top. One of my followers says that like he's like, no, I wear suits on the plane. I'm like, you're a psycho. <laughs> what the fuck are you? <laughs> That's not comfortable. He's like, I've got business meetings to go to on? immediately. What are you on a road game? <laughs> oh, you know what's funny about that though? Suits need to come back for coaches. It's get it's becoming a huge problem. Seeing oh too God. much of it. I don't imagine. like it. Shout out to Mike Nolan. 49ers what, legend. Which, what coach would look the best in a suit? I know my answer. Like NFL coach? Yeah. NFL oh. head coach. Best in a suit, yeah. uh, Brian Flores. No, I gotta think that I think really the Lindsay. Let me think if I can guess. I you know what my underdog is Lafleur. Oh, he's he's really hot too. I know you're gonna say the Cardinals coach, but I think I think the yeah. underdog is Lafleur. Yeah, he's yeah. Wait, who do you think's number? So who was number like, one, Lindsay? 
Cliff. Oh yeah, Cliff. I forgot about Cliff. I completely forgot he was a head coach in the NFL. How do you forget about? Well, him? hold on, hold on though. Oh, Let's just say this. He looks rent free in my head. Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> is a hot man, but in terms of who looks best in a suit, I oh, think yeah. Robert the Robert Sala deserves some. Robert Sala deserves a consideration because that man is mm-hmm. running stairs before every game. And a bald, shiny head looks looks good. You know, you can look dapper in a good. He's suit. got that uh, Agent Morgan look yeah. going from Criminal Minds. I'd also really love to see Andy Reid in a suit. Mm. Oh yeah, love that. <laughs> Interesting. I I did not think about that. Uh, hmm. Lindsay, I was going to ask you something else, and I just completely forgot. Oh wait, no. Let's see. What was it? Now I don't remember. Oh no, I just I lost track. It was a question about one of. Mm, Oh, the name, because Cliff, that's what it was. I Could you date a Cliff, like in real life? Like a real, like that's a name. Is that a name you could do? Is are the, Do you have names? Do girls have names that they would cancel out where it's like, I just cannot call this person this every day and it would drive me nuts. I've always, I've always had a name thing. Mm-hmm. Like my college, boy, my college boyfriend went by, his name was James Andrew and he went by Andy and I hated it. You so hated Andy. Yeah, I was the only person in his entire life that called him James because I hated Andy. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Evan, do you have a name preference? <laughs> you know, I got one of my favorite guys that I just, I don't know if he's a comedian, he's just a funny dude. One of the favorite guys that I follow on TikTok because I'm a 33-year-old man that likes TikTok. Um, his <laughs> girlfriend is named Hagrid. Wait, what? Loves, what? From Harry Potter? Well, n- no, obviously, uh, but yes, maybe. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. His girlfriend's name is Hagrid, and they're very happy, and he seems to love her very much. And I think that's great. Uh, would I want to be s- saying Hagrid's name uh, in the bedroom? <laughs> oh, probably not. Going to get a lot of babe. Uh, get a lot of babe action, a little baby action, uh, baby girl. <laughs> But uh, not what about, Hagrid. What about what about a name like Ruth? <laughs> Ruth. <laughs> or like Esther. Esther. Uh, what about? Well, let's not even go old. What about a Claudia? <laughs> Claudia. Well, the babysitters club. Cla- Claudia. I'm trying to think. Like, it's not even an old name, but it's just like it sounds like you're clearing your throat. <laughs> Claudia. <laughs> oh, I got sorry. <clears throat> sorry, I got a little something in there. I need some water. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think what the craziest name I've ever. I I don't know. I I gotta think about that. I don't. Mine was less names, more like actions. Like there was more of like, I I would judge based on like food preferences or something like that. Where I would be pretty out on like I remember. Like on like people being bold on their food choices out. Like I, my mom said I had a lot of Jerry Seinfeld in me because I would just be like, "What are you doing? Like that's not okay for date number two to be getting a really sloppy barbecue sandwich. Like this is unacceptable." I was at like I remember an onion falling out of this girl's mouth in my mid twenties, like eating this, and I was like, "I'm out. Like I can't, I can't do this." And that was it. Like I, I just remember being like, I could not get that visual out. So it wasn't really names for me, but it was more. More of that kind of stuff that I was super picky about. Do you think anybody's still listening? (laughs) (laughs) 
This is all very. Hey, here, I, 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 I am issuing a challenge. I want whoever is still listening to this to this this podcast i i need you i need you listen to me this is for you i need you to tweet at chase nothing other than no no exclamation point no period just the word claudia that's creepy i don't want to get this tweet if you're still listening i need you to just tweet claudia to chase thomas i need it don't be afraid don't be shy do it if you're still listening that's how we'll know Oh no! I'm gonna get Claudia. some Claudia's just directed at me. I don't. I don't know how I feel about this waking up to this tomorrow. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap up. Uh, let's wrap up. This has been a delightful episode of the Monday Night so much fun. Chase Thomas Podcast. Lindsay, thank you so much for making the time. As always, don't be a stranger. Of course. Um, we will. You all talk again very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.